Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Um, I, I, I have a a bone to pick with Carlos. I don't want to air uh, private laundry. Is it? No, that's I, I can't even use my cliche. Hey, I'm I got so a bone to right pick now. with Briquette. Mm. Well, well, of you course go first. you do. You, you always do. Well, it's nice that it's nice to have Dave Briquette, but Dave, Carlos just went ahead and scheduled everything. You know the the. Michigan State basketball team played until three, three, four in the morning. They played until three or four night. in the morning. And I, well, no, excuse me, I can't even think straight. I got home at after three and didn't fall asleep till after four. So, look, normally I'm cool with a with a four hour night. The problem is I've I've had a lot of them, um, as I'm sure a lot of journalists have lately. So, but Carl's just willy nilly. No, Carl's is he just occasionally you know writes once or twice a week so it thinks it's cool that you can just kind of do this sort of thing and i i don't get it dave no regard for his his for his colleagues but anyway it's 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 nice to have you yeah happy to be here power has gotten to his head I, i'll be honest i didn't uh i was playing basketball last night i got home at 11 i caught the end of that michigan state game didn't uh didn't even realize it was on so <laughs> well we're i mean we're just in the michigan state podcast it's there's uh, no such thing as a blue wall although uh some of our readers like to disagree but i know you can talk basketball day but yeah michigan state uh looked as good as they have all season and in, in beating indiana michigan looked really good beating michigan state saturday night so so who knows? Maybe we'll have a fun end of the college basketball season here. We'll see. But that's not why me, you're in here. Okay, let me just, Dave, you, you and I know, we've known Sean way too long. We know all this. I got home at 3 or 4 in the morning, whatever. He goes to, he goes up to East Lansing. to. It's just basically like a reunion with all his buddies. He covered, he back when he likes to remind us when he did real work and was a beat writer for about half a season or something, Um you know, he goes up there, he talks to Graham Couch and Rex Road. I bet Brendan Quinn was up there and just all his old, he's like a pig and slop. And he just BSs for probably another two hours after the game. That's why he gets home so late. Not because he's working hard, air quotes, hard air quotes. Right. Carlos, you know, you know what? Uh, I, I feel like we should point out to the readers. I don't think that's why Sean moved the time back from 9 to 930 in his text message to us. It wasn't because I'm going to get home late. No, it was a family. It was a family issue that I had to. I had to be a, a commute, a commute, a taxi driver. I so guess. he was getting up early no, anyway. That's, that's the point. He was getting up early anyway. He just didn't want to spend it with you, Carlos. So I don't know if that's <laughs> no, 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 sooner. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually, I, I, I'm not somebody that can take naps. I don't know if you guys can. I've never been able to take a nap, and I, I struggle to even go back to sleep sometimes after I get up at six a.m. to use the restroom. But. um that's probably too much information. People, Sorry about that. But you know how naps, brother. Siestas. You get you you get older, right? But so this is a day I've I actually might have tried doing that. If we weren't doing this podcast, I might have tried going back to sleep. Yes, I did see some people last night, Carlos, including uh weirdly Marcus Bingham, who played for the Spartans last year, all six eleven. I'm just walking 
kind of in the concourse because I my son is was up there and I went to see him. Then I had my niece there, and then Mike Elric was oh, there. Oh boy! And he was texting, so he got to uh, so we saw him, and then and then uh, Dan Kilbridge. You guys remember Dan Kilbridge? Used to cover the Spartans, uh, did a blog, went off to do your thing, Carlos. He went and wrote about golf. Smart man. Anyway, he was just, yeah, it was, uh, it was See, something. There you go. Reunion. Anyway. Sean Windsor with his people where he's beloved. But that was, uh, that was for 10 minutes at halftime. Other than that, it was all, it was all business. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know how that goes. I mean, it's, a, it was a big game last night. It was a, a very, a somber atmosphere to start for sure. All right. Well, speaking of which, we have somber atmosphere with Dave Burkett. Why is Dave here? What's the what's what's uh? Did we did we finally come through with the honorary money you, again? Talk basketball. You, you you said something about a a, a mock draft. Oh and, yeah. Uh, oh, that's that my bone to year. pick. That's my bone to pick. And I have not seen it by the way because you said it when I was about to head to East Lansing, and I've literally not had a chance to okay. see it. So yeah. you guys can talk about it, and I'm just going to go get a pillow. <laughs> Log in the press, though. You can read it. It's not posted online yet when we're filming this. It will be by or recording Yeah. Do, wait, real quick. Before we get into the to the mock draft and the, the Lions and football and stuff, Dave, do you have any thoughts on uh, on the basketball? Have you, have you caught any of these teams? Do you, Or is it just kind of a meh season? I, you know, you? I, I watched them. more college basketball this year than I have in, I couldn't tell you, you know, how long. But mostly I'm watching it for my own, you know, I'm trying to steal plays. I'm trying to... I'm watching it from a different lens, if you will. So I watch, I've watched a lot of uh, Creighton basketball because that they always seem to be on my TV. I'm going to be real honest with you. So I do feel like I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for the, uh, when the NCAA brackets come out rather than, you know, just throwing a dart like I have the last couple of years and losing to my daughter in our bracket picks. But um, if I'm being honest, I don't think Michigan or Michigan State have much of a shot to go deep in the tournament just based on, you know, the, uh, uh, you know some of the talent of the teams at the uh, the top of the pole, um, you know. But there's, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see when these uh, these brackets shake out, and, and especially from Michigan State standpoint, you know, maybe if they can get on a little roll here emotionally, and, and what that might mean to to carry them them forward. No, I'm with you. I didn't, these aren't their these aren't vintage teams. You know, John Beeline was a uh, Saturday. John Beeline was there Saturday night to honor the uh, at the Chrysler when Michigan and Michigan State played to honor the celebrate rather the uh, 2013 Final Four champ, national championship game team. And and we were talking to him afterwards, and he was talking about the days when he and Izzo were going at each other, and they both had top five teams. This is and those were fun days. This is not yeah. that year, you know. I mean, I guess you never know. But uh, by the way, if you're stealing plays, Izzo's baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. Uh, you know, take some notes there. He's he's I known took, for uh, that. You know, when I went when I was an undergrad at Michigan State, I uh, I actually took coaching basketball class taught by Brian Gregory back in the day. But I was covering Michigan State basketball, and so I figured it was it was worth my while to be sitting in class. And the time I didn't know if Tom would be coaching any of it and or teaching any of it, and so. Um, I certainly do have some some Michigan State principles and some of the things that I I do. There you go. Okay, that's enough ball. I'm going to go Carlos get my pillow is, uh, and falling, come back. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> just, you keep going. Carlos is Carlos is falling asleep. No, no. This is we, we usually we rely on college basketball around here with both those teams, right, to kind of help propel us from what are usually dreary winters uh, into I don't know to to baseball or something. But um, so yeah, we we it's good it's good for the soul when they're good. 
yeah, though, it'll be fun. I mean, no, ma- no matter what the tournament, right? One of them, one of them usually wins a couple of games, and every Big Ten team gets into the tournament. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be it'll be fine. And then they lose. It, one of them yeah. loses. One of them wins one or two or whatever. And yeah, no, I mean the whole of the oh, Big, the Big Ten. Ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Big Ten, the most overrated basketball conference. They haven't won a national title since uh, since state. Right. Yeah. You watch, yeah. it's Purdue's yeah. year this year. You just watch. Nah, they they don't have the their guards. Well, on anyway, guards right. game, right? We're gonna see Baylor or somebody like that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no kidding. It, it it is a guards game. That's what you tell it's your all girls, right? Guards, so yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> <They> better be. <laughs> all right. So what's going on with the mock draft, Carl? Well, is, is this is this the momentous day, Dave? Or is when this thing comes out, our podcast drops on Thursday. Your I believe your first mock draft, Dave Burkett's first 1.0 out of. I don't know what is it, fourteen or fifteen? You do now comes out. <laughs> uh, I you know it'll be one every two weeks, so we'll probably have six before the uh, you know before the draft actually you know takes place. Two that last week, but one every two weeks. So you know we've got one this week, and then go to the combine next week, and then you know do one the week after. Kind of what I learned from the combine, if that you know anyone sort of moves up or down the uh, the, the draft board a little bit, and uh, but not you know I think the um, look the top of the draft at least. You know, from the little intel I've gathered so far, I, I think there's four players clearly at the top of the draft, and, and that's the the two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and, and the top two defensive players, Jalen Carter and, and Will Anderson, whatever order you want to put them in. And, and, you know, those will probably be the first four players off the board or, or you know, some combination of four of the first five, depending on how many quarterbacks go up there. And, and so, you know, if you're the Lions picking at six, you're probably missing out on one of the, the four really, truly, you know, elite players in the draft but um still at six you should be able to get a pretty pretty good player and you know whether that's uh your choice of cornerbacks whether that's another pass rusher um i do think the lines will have some options there that will emerge that uh you know uh, fans will be pretty pleased with and, and the organization will be be able to add a another cornerstone defensive player to the mix now my my bone to pick is uh this is your mock draft 1.0 Right. Meanwhile, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah is already in a second mock draft. What have you been doing with your time? Why have we? Why are we not on Daybreakette three by now? What's you know, on? I saw. I forget who it was, like Fox Sports or CBS or some one of those people was on like mock draft nine point or something. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself like, <laughs> we are not even like in March yet, and you've done nine mock drafts, and that probably goes back to the season. But um, yeah, I like to. Uh, you know, people people give me grief sometimes that I was doing too many mocks. I think I'm very measured in it, right? I'm waiting till this time of year to drop the first one. You know, I'll put another one out, you know, right before free agency with what you learn from the combine, then another one after, you know, free agency, and then then things start to heat up a little bit in April. So, um, you know, well 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 thought out with the calendar of, of when these things drop. And plus, hey, plus the Lions were, were, you know, they had a pretty good year, right? They won nine games, so it wasn't like they were three and fourteen, and we needed that. Occupy, Wait, did they win nine games? With, did they win nine games in, in December? They really won nine games. That wasn't some kind of fever dream. This this area, I, you had. know, uh, the NFL sent out the uh, the uh, official draft order last week, and it did say nine and eight. So I, I, I <laughs> had to rub my eyes a little bit too. But legitimately, uh, how many games did you pick? By the way, Dave, predict? for them to win. I think I said yeah. eight and nine. I think that's where I came wow. out. So. That's that's pretty good. How about I you, said, Carlos? Something, you're something just taking this scenario. time to tweet your own horn. Something around there, Carlos, too, yeah. we had that, that long discussion about how Carlos said I was way off base because he picked seven, 
or I six, six or whatever. For yeah. the record, six. And I was at, at one and six. I look like an optimistic fool, and you guys look like you were having uh, pipe dreams or fever dreams. What'd you pick, Sean? Eight, nine. No. I don't. I don't remember what I picked. I just was curious what Carol. Was <laughs> Let me ask you. Let's let's uh, let's ask uh, Mr. Brickhead. Drop you know, just drop the bomb. Number six with your first mock. Who do you who you have lines taken and why? Well, number six. Um, you know, hopefully everyone's reading the mock draft out there today. But number six, I, I had the lines take Tyree Wilson, the uh, the defensive end, pass rusher from from Texas Tech. Um, look again, I, I think. You know, if the Lions had a shot to get Jalen Carter, the the interior lineman from Georgia, I think that would be the missing piece that they need from their defense, just an interior pass rusher. Um, to me, I, I think he's the best player in the draft. Um, and if you miss out on Will Anderson, look, Tyree Wilson's a pretty good, you know, pretty good uh, consolation prize right there. Um, I, pair him with Aiden Hutchinson, you know, James Houston. All of a sudden, the Lions have a pretty good pass rush. Wilson's big, he's long, he's like 6'6", six, six, so, um, you know, he's pretty productive. Uh, I, I do. I, I think also the, the way the Lions have built, you know, this this organization or this franchise, this, this team under Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell. You look at what they've done: uh, six top seventy-five picks for for Brad Holmes so far, and five of them have been big guys. You know, they they took Aiden Hutchinson, um, they took uh, yeah Panesua with with their two first-round picks. You know, obviously, they took Levi Onzerike and, and Aline McNeil two years ago. And then last year, they took Josh Paschal. So the only one who wasn't was Jamison Williams, playmaker. Um, so five of their six top 75 picks have been bigs. That's how they want to build. They're not done doing that yet. I think taking a defensive lineman there uh, really fits, you know, kind of the mold of, of what the Lions want to be. Um you know, rather than, you know, taking a, a cornerback, someone to help that secondary, even though that's where they need the most help. So I've got Tyree Wilson sliding to six. Good chance he could go in the top five if Will Levis, the third quarterback, doesn't go in the top five. And, and in that case, I probably would have had the Lions take another pass rusher, Miles Murphy from Clemson. And so this is, this is I hope this is warming the cockles of, of Sean Windsor's heart, as I think Jim Harbaugh likes to say, but... Uh, you know he loves the line play. He loves he know he he can tell you nothing about any of the guys who play on the line, but he just loves trench warfare <laughs> in the NFL and football. That's what it's all about. Um, even though those guys are just you know kind of big fat slug guys, but whatever. Um, well, they're not slow. No, at all, well the offensive Carlos. linemen are. Sorry about that, but but this also Sean Sean and I were talking about this. I think last week or the week before, you know, about his uh, his his love affair for the for the offensive defensive line, and and I forgot who it was who said this, but I did look it up. I wrote about it a while, a couple of times. But George Young, he was a he's a Hall of Fame executive for the late guy. Late, he he passed away, but he he was with the GM with the Giants for a long time. But he had something called the Planet Theory, and it was about. There are only so many, there are very few humans on the planet who are big enough and fast enough and strong enough to play on the, you know, on the line of scrimmage in the NFL. So when you get a chance to draft them, you should draft them because you can probably find small, fast guys somewhere else in the in the draft easier. Um, so I, I totally agree with that, Dave, what you're saying about Brad Holmes and uh, taking taking some big guys early. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, here's a question for me is if if the Lions are picking, okay, they pick sixth, right? So yeah. the Seahawks pick fifth. And I think you have them taking Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Right. At, 
At fifth, fifth, really? Yeah, I'm at five. So at four, the Colts, yeah, I'm picking Will Levis, third quarterback off the board in the first four picks. At five, the Seahawks are going to, they're on the clock. Do the Lions, Brad Holmes make a move to trade up to get Jalen Carter to, with the Seahawks? Does he take them? Does he move up to five to take them? Well, I don't know why the Seahawks would do that if that was the case. I mean, look, I, I you know, for, for those who haven't seen it, I had quarterbacks going one, two in the Bears. You know, there's a lot of smoke out there right now about whether the Bears want to trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young or what they want to do. Like ultimately, um, you know, I, I think, and I wrote this in my, my mock is that ultimately I just think a quarterback goes number one. And maybe that's Indy trading up to get a quarterback and then Chicago falling back to four or whatever it is, right? The Houston Texans, I think most people think are going to take a quarterback at number two, whether that's Stroud or Young or whoever. So if you have quarterbacks going in the top two, right? Arizona, Chicago, if Chicago keeps Justin Fields, obviously they're going with one of those defensive players. Arizona would seem to be going defense. They still have Kyler Murray. He's coming back from an injury, but so, you know, you're, Two of those those teams are are defensive players, and again, in my eyes, um, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, in whatever order, are the top two defensive players in the draft. They're the elite tier of defensive players, and I just don't think there are many teams that want to trade down a tier if you can avoid it, right? Unless you're getting some sort of immense draft capital that you need, you know, and, and probably for for the future, and so. You know, maybe maybe in this scenario, Carlos, right, maybe the Indianapolis Colts are like, well, you know what, we can get Will Levis at six if that's who we really want. We want a quarterback. Um, you know, then you risk the Falcons or the Panthers or somebody coming up too. So I, I just, I do think it would be in the cards for the Lions and, and for Brad Holmes to try to deal up to get Jalen Carter after the moves he made last year, uh, the specific move to, to go up and, and get, you know, Jamison Williams. But um, I think it's, it, you know, that's easier said than done given, you know, maybe the top tier of talent in the draft and the positional needs that, that these teams have up top. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't put it past Brad Holmes, but um, I don't know. I don't know how feasible it is that the Lions could trade up to get a guy like Jalen Carter. And again, Jalen could be number one pick by the Chicago Bears if this is all a smoke screen and they're really keeping Justin Fields and they're just trying to drum up some trade interest for, for the number one pick. I'm curious, and I have no... No numbers to back this up, Dave, but um, it seems like it's a little extra risky trading up for a defensive tackle. Yeah. These guys just, they don't have the, they don't have the, I mean, Jalen Carter is a, is a crazy talented player. And by the way, you know, kind of getting back to your point of the, the, the front lines, you know, you, you love Patrick Mahomes probably. You think he's the best quarterback that's ever played. <laughs> that's the NFL he best win football the player in the history of the game. <clears throat> exactly. He, he doesn't win the Super Bowl. Let alone get to the Super Bowl without Chris right. Johnson. Chris Jones. Right? Chris Jones. Yeah. Jones, sorry. Who who is one of those kind of hybrid guys that can line up inside and outside. But if he's not getting after Burrow in the, the, the game before the Super Bowl in the AFC title game, they don't win that game. They do not win that game without Jones. And yeah. um to 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 your point, just why Brad's Holmes is doing what he's doing. Carl thinks I have some kind of fetish for line play. No, it's just an understanding of the game. In any case, <laughs> Do you do you really do you really trade up for a defensive tackle who's already been hurt a right. little bit? These guys, um, as to Carlos's point, when they're you're that big and you move that well, like the like the Jalen Carters of the world, you know how long? I don't know. It just seems like to give up extra future stuff for a guy that might be in and out of your yeah. lineup. I don't know. What well, do you, what do you, I, you know, I would say a couple things. You know, to that, I mean, it's a fair point, right? Like. Um, in the positional hierarchy of the NFL, right? Number one is quarterback, obviously. Number two is pass rusher and, and certainly edge, um, you know, 
is a little bit higher than than interior, but um, you know those those interior guys are pretty rare. Um, still, you don't you don't you know see a lot of trade up for for that. Um, Sean, look, I agree. I mean, you look at what wins in the NFL, right? The Philadelphia Eagles won the NFC. They have the best offensive line in, in the business this year, right? Better than the Lions, Kansas City Chiefs. They, I mean, no one touched Patrick Mahomes in in that Super Bowl, right? So their offensive line played really no. well. Those two defenses. You mentioned Chris Jones and what he did in the the AFC Championship game, and and we all know what the Eagles did. I mean, they had the the most you know sacks, like uh, or, or one of the most sacks in, in NFL history, and and four players with ten plus sacks. And when you can put a a beast together like that, like that's just you're going to be competitive for a long time. And I know I've pointed out on on here before and in, in writing before that. You know what the Los Angeles Rams did when Brad Holmes was there, and how he's tried to sort of mimic that philosophy of you know they drafted uh, Michael Brockers and Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald and, and you know really three straight drafts or three or four maybe it was, and you know so that's what they were trying to build was just this this beast of a defensive line, and and I do think he wants to do that you know here. So if he has the opportunity, knowing what the Lions lack, um, I do think Jalen Carter could be a trade up candidate. You're not going up to one to get him if you're the Lions. You're not going up to two to get him, right? That's probably going to be too cost prohibitive. Carlos's question about moving up to five. Again, if he's there, I I, I don't know that Seattle trades down, but you know, four if, if Indy, you know, doesn't go up to get a quarterback and thinks they can get a quarterback at six, you know, maybe that that's costing a little bit less. I just I don't see it, you know, happening right now either way. But I, you know, I certainly would expect Brad to try it if he if Jalen Carter or Will Anderson or one of these players is sort of the apple of his eye. He doesn't see it. Dave doesn't see it until mock draft 2.0 drops. Yeah, he's going to have to trade. check that mid-March. One of those mock drafts, we'll, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll discuss that scenario. Well, they haven't. Or, or maybe we'll discuss the scenario of the Lions taking a quarterback. Eye. Who knows? Right? Before we, okay, before we discuss <laughs> anything more, we do need to take a quick break. And and I know Carl's wants you to, to get into a little bit more to, uh, was it Wilson and Murphy? And just maybe how good they can be, what their ceiling is. Are they, are they agent Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, who knows? Any case, so we want to hear that from you, and we want to hear a lot more of Carl's is, uh, picking apart your mock draft, but we need to take a quick break for uh, our producers. They've got stuff to do. I don't know what it is, but uh, we'll trust that uh, they know what it is. We will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carl's and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl and Sean. Dave. Excuse me. No, yeah, fine, Dave, Carlos, uh, whatever. <laughs> We're the same person, basically. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> you are, you are, you are the same person. So Dave is going to expand on these two defensive ends. He's um, got the Lions potentially taking one for sh- you know for sure in his first mock. But uh, I, I don't know why he's doing that, Carlos, because the Lions are going to take a, a cornerback, <laughs> aren't they? Well, the, the Jeff Okuda thing has worked out so well. Of course, why wouldn't you take a quarterback that high? <laughs> Well, and the and the Sauce Gardner thing didn't, yeah. So you're right. What yeah. you know? 
don't ever do it again just because one time it didn't go well in a in a sport where most times it doesn't go well. Yeah, I look the cornerback. I mean, you know, that's the line's biggest need. I don't, I don't think anyone would dispute that. You know, they've got the fifth year option to decide on Okuda this this offseason. I don't see them picking that up necessarily. Doesn't mean they won't. But you know, right now, I I don't know why they would. You know, that considering he hasn't he hasn't proven it yet. Um, you know, you got Jerry Jacobs, but you know, Mike Hughes is a free agent. Will Harris is a free agent. You're not passing on a really elite cornerback, even if you bring those guys back. So they have significant questions in the secondary and there's some pretty good cornerbacks available in, in this draft. And, you know, we were talking, you know, during the break a little bit, like I think the the cornerback that if I was mocking the perfect fit for the Lions from a cornerback would be Devin Witherspoon from, from Illinois. And uh, just talking to Kirby Joseph about him, at various times throughout the year, you know, he, I'd seen his name and, you know, talked to Kirby and, you know, went up and talked to him again late in the season. And he was like, Hey, go watch, go watch film of him, you know, lighten this guy. I think it was an Indiana running back. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, go watch film of, of the hit that he made there. And, uh, I just think, you know, his toughness, the, some of the physicality that he brings, you know, I had a scout tell me a long time ago, like, Hey, you're not drafting a cornerback because he can tackle like in the first round, right? You're drafting him because he can shut somebody down. And I think that's you have to keep that in mind. But you add the physical ability that that somebody like that has, you know, that just makes him, um, at least in my eyes, you know, the the best fit of the corners among you know these these guys for the Lions. And there's some good ones, like I said, Joey Porter, um, you know, Christian Gonzalez. I think I I don't know how many I, I put in my first round, but. Um, I do think there's, you know, four, five, six that could go in round one. There's a, you know, Maryland's got a pretty good cornerback, South Carolina, Keely Ringo from Georgia, some people like. So there's some pretty good corners out there. Um, you know, I, I don't see the Lions. I don't know that it's the wisest thing for the Lions to, to take one at six. And right now we look at this roster and we say that's their biggest need, but certainly they're going to address that at some point in free agency. Yeah, that's the that's the, the the two things are one. It's it's great that Kirby Joseph, uh, you know, NFL cornerback, you know, tells you go look at he's watching NFL greatest hits out there. You know, like not telling you about coverage and reading routes and understanding route coverage and all that. But uh, go look at the big hit he laid on him, and then he, you know, probably got hurt after that game. These guys get hurt all the time. You know, I mean, that's the problem with the cornerbacks. Um, is I think it's kind of a weird position where they're asking. They're asking them to do a hell of a lot these days, you know, hit, cover, run support, all that stuff. Um, you know, you should. And I and you know, the, what Sean is saying, there's some truth to that, because like Sean, there are probably some unthinking monkeys out there in personnel departments who think sauce gardener. We can get our sauce gardener. There's not going to be another sauce gardener again for a while. You know, defensive rookie of the year. I mean, it's it's hard to do that. Nor, nor Patrick Mahomes. No, I mean, Mahomes, I mean, quarterback, you know, there's, there's, right, every year, one or two quarterbacks who actually are pretty good. Every year, there's a couple of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, probably not another Patrick Mahomes, you know. Um, But I would also trust, you know, someone like Andy Reid, some some expert, maybe Sean McVay, to identify that person. I don't know if the Lions really have that potential yet. Uh, Brad Holmes has proven that he can find, um, you know, defensive well, offensive players later in the in the rounds, some defensive help later in the rounds. I mean, last year's draft was amazing. So, uh, but yeah, a quarterback, I think you can find them later. Um, I think everybody wants Devin Witherspoon in the NFL, right? That's he's probably going to be the first cornerback taken off. You know, take taken and maybe what did you have him at twelve? Was it or 
I think I had him going to the Jets. Yeah, pairing with Sauce Gardner, you know? Yeah. Salah, you know, really, really good. And that's the thing. If you have a Sauce Gardner, you can draft this guy and miss. But you still have Sauce Gardner, right? The Lions don't really have anybody that they can miss with. They need somebody to to, to contribute. Um, And they, I mean, missing out, if you're talking about, are you talking about drafting him at six, Sean? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, I I thought they should have taken Gardner last oh, year. Yeah. Um and I remember arguing with that about you I arguing with you guys about that very thing. It's funny. No, who knows? I mean, Hutchinson obviously's got the chance to be really really good. So I think it worked out just fine for both teams, but no, I'm not saying they should take a cornerback at 6. I'm curious what Dave thinks. I mean, I can see his mock. I don't want to uh, spoil it here. <laughs> Dave should say, but who are they going to take for, with their second first round pick at, at, at 18? He, and, yeah, right. This is going to be a great one. But by the way, and by the way, you never told us about. Uh, you know, you still need to tell us about these two defensive end prospects that you think are likely to. That that's probably what they're going to do at six, unless they make All right, a move. Real quick word on those guys. Um, you know, like Carlos mentioned the injury problems. I mean, Tyree Wilson. Uh, you know, he missed the end of the season last year with a foot injury. So I, you know, I do think I don't know that it's any. I don't know how much medical. That doesn't he stop Brad like, Holmes. He sounds like a Brad that, Holmes guy already. Yeah, no, I don't exactly. know what sort of medical concern there is there, if anything, but it's just something that I'm sure he'll be examined at the combine. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what uh, what shakes out with that, right? Foot injury, he had surgery, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, look, he was, I think, pro football focus had credited him with like, you know, 50, uh, you know, uh, quarterback pressures or something like that, which, uh, you know, that that's pretty pretty darn good for a, you know, for any pass rusher, you know, let alone a college guy who played in nine or 10 games, you know, he had seven sacks. He started his career at Texas A&M. Like I said, he's six, six, you know, so he's big and long. Um, the Clemson kid, Miles Murphy's just, he was a third year guy. You know, there's, there's a lot to, uh, a lot of upside there, I guess, still a young guy. Um, we all know Clemson has put together some, or put, uh, put out some really good pass rushers over the years. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, I think you're, you're betting on the upside with him a little bit there, but you know, he had six and a half or seven sacks and it's the same that Wilson had. So we're not talking about guys that had Aiden Hutchinson level, um, production last year in the sack department, but, um, I do think they're both pretty good pass rushers from the little bit that I've seen of them. And, and, um, you know, I think when you pair that with the Hutchinson and you pair that with the Houston, uh, and, you know, you bring back a John Kaminsky to play inside and some of these other parts the Lions have. I just think it, it makes for a really good pass rush, which is what the Lions, um, you know, really need, what any defense really needs. Um, so the uh, second pick, uh, you know, for, for the Lions in the draft. Look, I, I think we should talk about two things, right? Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jeremiah had mocked him, the Florida quarterback, to uh, to the Lions in his second mock that Carlos referenced <laughs> earlier. Um, I had cover in your tracks, cover in your, cover your behind. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I had Richardson going 16, so I didn't have him on the board for the Lions. Um, you know, definitely heard some different things about Richardson, super athlete. Don't know if, um, you know, some of the accuracy issues and whatnot. We'll see how he how teams end up evaluating him, whether they're really, you know, willing to, to roll the dice on, on that. But I understand the, the need for that with the Lions. And I actually, as much as they need defense, I went with another offensive player uh, because I, I do think this could be sort of similar to, you know, what I said about the Lions taking a defensive lineman early. When you look at the way they constructed things in LA, um, you know, when, when they were at their best, they had a a really good running back, one of the best ones in the game in Todd Gurley. And B. John Robinson from Texas isn't 
um, a Todd Gurley clone by any means, but he's a really talented back. And if you're just taking one of the most talented players in the draft, he's going to be the guy. And look, I know that's going to, you know, my, my column for Friday, my sort of explainer on the mock draft. You know, I wrote about Bijan a lot in that one because I know that's going to rankle some, some people, you know, drafting a, a running back in round one. But I think he's a really good player. And I think there are both, um, you know, schematic, you know, team building fit reasons to do it and financial reasons that, that you do it as well. What do you think, Carlos? Well, so so here's the question is I I like this pick. Um from from what I've known about, you know, Bijan Robinson, not that I've watched a ton of tape or and all this stuff, but from what I watched, from what I've heard, um, you know, he's got enough size. He's six foot, about two twenty, uh good production. He can catch the ball. I mean, we don't know I, it, it, why why the running back position has become so undervalued in the NFL, I just don't really understand it. Because if you look at what Jamal Williams did last year, right? Leading the NFL with, what, 17 touchdowns and strong and short yardage situations being tough. Without him, the Lions don't have that season. Um, you need that guy. And even though, yeah, the, the, the lifespan of a running back is not super long, you need those guys. And it's hard to find them. You know, I mean, they they... They hit gold with Jamal, you know, in free agency, you know, paying him very little for a couple of years. But here's the question is, you think that even if even if Jamal Williams does come back, you know, if they re-sign him as a free agent, you still think that Bijan makes sense for them, right? Yeah. So, look, I, I think um, part of the reason why running backs have fallen is because you can find them anywhere, right? You don't have to get a first-round guy, right? And, and I mean, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, they, like they hit the DeAndre Swift has been, yes, in the second round. Second round pick. But no, look, Pacheco, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs leading rusher, and that guy ran hard. You know, he was, maybe he didn't lead him in rushing, but he was their best back at the end of the year, Isaiah Pacheco. He was a seventh round pick. You know, Jamal Williams, who you referenced, I think he was a fourth round pick. You know, so we're talking, I looked this up, you know, it's, um, there are 15 running backs that ran for a thousand yards last season. Five of them were, you know, day three draft picks or, or undrafted free agents. So, you know, and I think if you go back in years past, there's certainly been other examples, Aaron Foster, right? There, there's lots of people that, that um, you know, draft Knicks would talk about and tell you, you don't have to spend a first round pick. You can get that production. It's such a, um, you know, backfield by committee for most teams that, um, you know, uh, I, I don't think teams feel the need to to spend or invest a lot of draft capital on the position. But, you know, the flip side of that and, and why I do think it's worth it is because, you know, it, it five were, you know, day three picks, well, 10 were first or second round picks. And really the best running backs in the game are those players, you know, those game changers that you get up high. And, and I think that can be said for, for any position. But, you know, a, a guy like Robinson, you know, for those out there who haven't, you know, watched any highlights or film of him, I mean, the guy just has, you know, elite vision. Um, obviously, he can, he can run, he can catch the ball. I think he's sort of a do-it-all. And, and he would still, look, you can bring Jamal Williams back, but Jamal Williams is 27 years old, I think. You know, you're, if you bring him back, you're probably signing him to a two-year deal for $10 million or whatever it is, right? And you're going to have to make that decision before the draft. You still have DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift entering the last year of his rookie deal. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think Bijan Robinson would give the Lions, you know, he would be to the Lions what Todd Gurley was to the Rams in terms of that guy that is such a threat, you know, assuming he could stay on the field, right? Health is always a thing with running backs, to your point, Carlos, that you would have to respect that running game and what the Lions do with the play-action pass, the type of team they want to be. I just think he would be, you know, a great addition to that offense. And the other component of it is, while I 
I totally get not wanting to spend the the draft capital, um, you know, because you can get one in round two or round four or round six that that can maybe be effective. Um, you know, financially, it actually makes a ton of sense. I mean, the so there are um, I think it's five four backs that that have that are making fifteen million dollars a season right now on their current contracts. That's Zeke Elliott. That's Christian McCaffrey. That's um, you know, I forget who the, you know, someone, I'll, I'll look this up as we're doing it. Cause I wrote it. Um, you know, but so that's $15 million that they're, they're making on average per year and they're not worth it by the time they get to that, that level. Right. I would never spend that much money on a free agent running back because they're on their second contract. Their best years have been used already. Um, you know, the Elvin Kamara, that's the other one. So none of those three are worth $15 million a year right now. They're getting paid for what they did in the past. Even the guys that are going to get, you know, franchise tag this year, if they, if their teams decide to, to, to franchise tag them, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, they're making $10 million a year on a franchise tag. So if you take a running back at 18, guess what you're going to pay him for the, the life of that contract? $15 million. Last year's number 18 pick got $14.4 million. You average that out. We're talking about what, three and a half million dollars a year. So the, you're paying him more money than maybe you would, you know, one of those backs that you get in round six, but you're paying for the best years of his career. You retain uh, the right to, to keep him in year five on the, the franchise tag that wouldn't be cost prohibitive. Even year six, I'm sorry, the fifth year option in year five that wouldn't be cost prohibitive, even in year six on the franchise tag. So I think financially to get an elite running back like Bijan Robinson can be, like Zeke Elliott was early in his career, you know, Kamara was early in his career. McCaffrey maybe still is, but has all those injury problems. You want those backs for the first four or five, six years of, of their career. And then you don't need them after that because then, you know, they, they're beat up by that point in time. So I think if you want a guy like a Todd Gurley, the only way to get him is to take him high in the draft. And when you're the Lions and you have two first round picks at number 18, it's something that makes sense is sort of, you know, this is a, a missing piece that we can have in our offense for the next four, five, six years that can make us a really good team, a really complete offense for years to come. So, so just to, to recap, you're saying the running back position is basically exploitative. You're saying that uh, they've only got a few good years. You're saying yeah, the whole draft is yes. It's true. I mean, you're saying that's that, true. You're saying that the Lions um, should lean into what? Here's what I think you're really saying: the, at number six, they need to take an offensive tackle <laughs> or guard, whatever. <laughs> And lean into the offense all the way, right? Well, I mean, look, eventually you're going to have to pay Jared Goff if you're going to keep him, right? And we're not, you know, drafting a quarterback in round one here. If you keep him, Carlos, if you keep him, you're going to have to pay him. No. You're, so you're not going to pay DeAndre Swift, right? He's no, Give him another year, Carlos, and see. I, I don't, you know, look, I, I certainly Wait, what are you have saying my, about Swift? my reservations about paying Jared Goff too, and that's why I'm sort of, always been on the always quarterback train. You know, if you don't have an elite guy, you want a cheap guy. And, and that's sort of my <laughs> my view on it. But um, I mean, regardless, there are some, right, you're going to have to pay Panay Sewell. You're going to have to pay Amon Ross and Brown. There are pieces that you're going to have to pay to keep this offense together. And so if you can get a really good running back, really cheap, that can be a true difference maker for you. And yeah, it's, it's. I mean, that's what NFL teams do. You know, they, they, I think Carlos gave me grief, you know, a year or so ago. I wrote, you know, about DeAndre Swift, like, you know, the Lions were, you know, handling with kid, kids' gloves. And I said, just put them out there and let them play, right? Like, give them 20 snaps a game or, or 20 touches a game because 
you're not going to keep them in year five anyway. So you might as well like get what you can out of them. I mean, that, that's, that's one line of thinking in the NFL. And so it's, it sucks to say, but I think at the running back position, especially you realize that that's, that's how NFL teams treat, you know, their, their players at, at that position. Well, let me ask you about, about your mock. Okay. So you mentioned that the commanders at 16, you have them taking Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. Um, you know, Martin Mayhew wants a quarterback. Well, you know, your your BFF, Martin Mayhew, um, you, you're probably locked in on that one. But but here's the thing is some player, some I mean, I think it was Jeremiah in the last draft or the mock draft. He mocked uh, Anderson to the Lions right in this uh, at 18. So but the question is, like, when you think of this and you think of those two, the, the two mocks, right? His mock year draft, you have him taking a running back that supports Jared Goff, that helps the you know the quarterback's best friend as a running back in the run game. And Jeremiah's the other way, like, I'm going to put some gasoline on this thing and torch it. And the minute, if you draft a quarterback, yeah. if you draft Will Anderson or any quarterback, but if you draft if you draft Anthony him at 18, I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting Will Anderson mixed up with, Anthony, with Richardson. So anyway, if you draft a quarterback... The minute the Jared Goff throws his first incompletion, it's being like, hey, let's throw in the rookie quarterback. We've got to see what he has, right? There's going to be an instant quarterback controversy. The, I mean, even before that, yeah. in camp, in, in the, the questions. Brad Holmes did not like Dave Perkett's question in the season-ending press conference he when Dave it. just hinted at maybe the possibility of, and he was like, what are you going to do, Dave? What's your, you got the draft plan here? Let me hear it, you know, and... And uh, what did you tell him, Dave? What did you tell your buddy, Brad? Uh, I mean, that's what I said. I said, I would always consider a quarterback, right? I mean, unless you have... The reality is, <clears throat> my belief, at least in the NFL, right? Unless you have Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or whatever small, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts now, right? Unless you have one of those guys, you should always consider a quarterback because when it comes time to pay everyone else and you got to give them $45 million a year, that's what Jared Goff would get on an extension, $45 million a year. Like, I don't, I just don't know that that's the best thing for, for building your, your team. And I get it. My job isn't on the line when I say this, right. And it's a lot easier for me to say, Hey, go with a young guy. than it is for these teams that are actually in that position to say, you know what, Jared Goff's pretty good for us. Like, like Brad said, right. Like there's, it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. You know, I, I, I think that's that's 100% true. But I also know that if you have an elite guy, you win for a long, long time. To our Last time I was on the podcast, we talked about that. And, you know, I do think a guy like Anthony Richardson, long, long, long way away from being elite, but he has some amazing tools, the skill set, the ability to run the arm, some things that you can really dream on. And I think DJ's point, Daniel's point in his mock draft was, you know, if you if you take a guy like Anthony Richardson, he's so far away. He needs to sit and learn for a year or two, and the Lions are in a position to do that. Um, and they're in a position with an extra first round pick to, you know, maybe take a, a little bit of a lottery ticket and, and a gamble and see if they can develop Anthony Richardson into being this phenomenal quarterback. And so, again, I I understand that line of thinking. Um, you know, to me, I think if like a Stroud or a Bryce Young was there at six. You know, those are two of the the top four players in the draft. I think you'd have to do it if you're the Lions. I'm a little more lukewarm on Richardson just because he's so far away. Um, but you know, I think the the Bijan Robinson thing, where when you're rolling with Goff, as it appears the Lions are doing, when you give him 
everything he needs to succeed, running back, really good offensive line, you know, receivers, playmaker, and Jamison Williams, all these parts that can help elevate um, that quarterback play and make it more palatable when you pay a guy, you know, $45 million a year or whatever it's going to be when he's not considered, you know, in the elite class of quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you, do you take Will Levis if he's there at six? Um, and the other thing I would just say with that was, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, if you do end up adding a young, young rookie quarterback down the road, you have those parts. Um, I think Levis is, uh, wait, that's a, that's is what that's a good spot, man. We need to take one more quick break. Ooh. We got to let him think about look, it. Good. We're gonna have to. We're gonna. We're gonna let you think about it. We're gonna have to make the listeners wait here for a second to see if Dave Burkett thinks the Lions should take a quarterback at number six from Kentucky. All right, we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson Shaw. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. So, Dave, do the Lions take a quarterback at number six? Not a quarterback, but Will Levis. If he's there, forget Stroud and Young, they're not going to be there at six. But if Will Levis is... Well, no, but that, yeah. Or, or do they take, yeah. Any, okay. No, 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 because we already <laughs> answered that. I mean, those. I'm just saying, if those two guys, it, Dave's like, oh, yeah, you know, if, those, if Bryce Young's there at six, the Lions should probably take him. Yeah, of course. Now he's not going to last that long. But if Will Levis does, I mean, he's the reason why should they wait last and take, that long. Or should they wait and take J.J. McCarthy? Oh, next man. Uh, <laughs> the J.J. McCarthy sweepstakes are on. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm Caleb Williams. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's 32 teams are going to draft Caleb Williams next year. So Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I do not think the Lions will draft a quarterback. I think the Lions are rolling with Jared Goff right now. Um, you know, I think they feel comfortable with him. I think you're, again, more likely to see them sign him to an extension at some point. I don't know if it would be this summer or next, but, you know, he's got two years left on his deal. Um, I think they're, they're more likely to, you know, build up other areas of their team, defense, you know, maybe it is the running back position, whatever it may be, you know, to try to try to contend next year and try to put this really good team and really good supporting cast around, around Jared. Um, so I don't think the Lions will draft a quarterback at six or 18, um, early. Uh, if it was me, I would take CJ Stroud or, or Bryce Young if they were there at six. Um, I would have a little more reservation about Will Levis. I mean, I, that's a guy that I certainly have to do some more work on. I mean, he, you know, he didn't have a great year this year. He was hurt though for some of it. Um, kind of like Richardson in, in that he's got, you know, some, some traits at you. You know, you really dream on with the the, the big arm and the the mobility. Um, I don't think I would take him at six over you know one of those pass rushers. Um, you know, if I was in the Lions' shoes, uh, but I'm I'm an always quarterback guy too. So if it was just me running the organization, you know, I'd I'd, I'd be considering quarterbacks. Um, but I would I would certainly put Will Levis ahead of Anthony Richardson in the quarterback pecking order because he's a little more polished and because, you know, Richardson seems so, so far away from reaching his potential uh, that, you know, there's 
uh, it's less likely that he does, I guess, than, than Will Levis. But I think if the Lions were to take Will Levis, it would probably be a similar situation in that, you know, Jared Goff would be your quarterback. Um, you know, Will Levis, the, the timeline would be, you know, a year or two for later. Uh, but Carlos, you know, what you had said earlier about if they take, you know, Anthony Richardson, the first thing that happens is everyone's screaming for him to come in. I don't know if that's the case if they take Richardson. I mean, yeah, the first round pick, you know, people would be, would want that eventually. But I think everyone realizes how far away he is. But I think with Levis, and if you took him at six, that's when I think the, the calls would even be ratcheted up for, hey, we got to we gotta play this guy. Oh, Jared threw an interception or, you know, we lost the game that we shouldn't have. Like, you know, all the fans all of a sudden are like, hey, we got we to gotta play Levis. Why would we draft this guy? You know, let's, let's, let's see what we got. Let's save our season this way. And, and that could be, um, you know, a recipe for, um, you know, I guess – crushing, you know, Jarrett's confidence or, or, you know, otherwise impacting what the Lions do on the field this year if you take a quarterback at six because that guy is immediately looming over Jared Goff's shoulders um, in, in a way that's, that's even bigger than taking Richardson at 18 would be. Let, let's, let's remind the readers of something about this is, or the listeners that, uh, you know, all players, all NFL players read everything that's written about them. That's what they do. They have a lot of time on their hands. They love to gossip. Twitter search their own name and Twitter and especially negative stuff. They love to, to get in the mud there and and grind their ax about who's against them and whatever. Jared Goff also is a special case where he's, he's kind of low key admitted that he reads a lot of it. Like he kind of, nobody wants, they all pretend they don't read one single word and they're above it all. I think Jared Goff has especially attuned to criticism about himself, you know, especially in the, in the local market, but anywhere, and I think if you had, if you draft, if the Lions draft a quarterback in the first round, no matter where, late first round, whatever, first guy, first quarterback since Stafford to be drafted in the first round, that's just that's just setting things up for a lot of dysfunction, a lot of problems. Knowing the kind of guy Goff is, you know, he's 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 done well to come back from adversity and all this stuff, and the way he was treated in L.A. and all that. Uh, but I don't. I think that he's a little more probably fragile than another quarterback might be who's more entrenched. If you're talking like a Stafford, you know, who'd been there a seventh or eighth year, someone like that might've been able to handle it. But Goff, Goff has just barely proven himself a little bit, redeemed himself this one year. And I think drafting a quarterback would derail all of that because there would be calls in the media. There'd be calls from the fans or be, you know, and right now Goff's just that guy that, the fans aren't completely sold on. I mean, he is the most like divisive player in the organization among the fans. Like, what do you think of Jared Goff? You start a bar fight if you throw that question out there. Um, so they got to be really careful. But, but that's that. I I mean, hey, as as me and my boy Jeff Rieger would say, you know, we'd, we'd love to see the drama. It'd be a fun fun time for the media <laughs> if they drafted a quarterback in the first round. But I think, I think you if know. you and. Well, but let me ask you this, though. This is a question for you, Dave. It's just right now, I think, do you believe, and I, I, I hope the Lions believe this, but do you think that they're thinking of it as this is a win-now moment for them, that they're riding high, they finished 9-7, and seven, just like you and Sean Windsor predicted they would all along, and they should have made the playoffs uh, if Seattle could have taken care of business uh, in that last game. Um, and everybody's, they know right now, they, 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 they've got a, the makings of a playoff team um, that potentially could do something in the playoffs. And um, they've got Ben Johnson for at least another year, maybe not much longer. So it's you think that if 
do you think they're in the win now mode and that that's going to guide their draft strategy of we can't really swing the bat or, you know, on a developmental guy, developmental guys really in the first, you know, the first day of the draft, maybe even the second day of the draft, like we got to get contributors to, to help us get over that, that finish line right now. Well, I think there's two sides to that because, um, yes, I a hundred percent think that they see this as having a, a window to compete an opportunity to compete. Right. I mean, you have to, just when you look at the NFC, there's, I mean, the Eagles are, you know, they've got, 20 free agents and like half of them are starters, right? And they're a good, really good team and they're going to have a good roster and they've got two first round picks too. So they're going to be there for a long time. You know, and the 49ers have a really good team too. But I mean, who's a good team in the NFC North, right? No one. So the Lions have, they absolutely have an opportunity to compete in 2023. But the flip side of that is, and Brad Holmes' job as general manager is not to just to compete in 2023. It's to compete in 2024, five, six, seven, eight, right? To make this thing a long-term, you know, competitor. And so, you know, the way for him to do that or one way to ensure, you know, that the Lions can be that team for a long, long time is to, you know, nail your quarterback of the future. And, and as much as I think the Lions, as happy as I think the Lions are with Jared Goff and the way he played this past season, um, and as much as I, I do think they believe that, you know, they can have success with him on the field, um, you know, they, but they, you know, they've been, they know the NFL a lot better than we do. And, and so, you know, they also have to realize that Jared Goff isn't Patrick Mahomes. That's going to take you to five straight, you know, AFC championship games and Joe Burrow, who's right on his heels is the best quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, so, you know, whatever shortcomings or limitations he has, if there's an opportunity to upgrade that, maybe that's better for your long-term success. Now, I don't know, you know, and I don't even know if they would know the answer to this yet. Like is Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson, like what chance do they have of being an upgrade and of reaching that, that, you know, their potential as an upgrade. And, and I, you know, again, I think, you know, you can say because of their athletic traits that Levis and Richardson, you know, certainly would, would, um, you know, have that potential for the lions, but Richardson is, is very far away from that because he's so raw. You know, you look at what happened. I mean, Malik Willis fell last year. He was sort of in the same boat, right? This great athlete that, you know, people knew needed some developmental time and look where he went, right? Trey Lance went, you know, third, but he's barely played. And so he's still in that developmental boat. You know, he's thrown 250 passes or whatever in the past four years, you know? So his, the likelihood of him reaching that potential is, is, is not great. And so, um, I, I think the Lions have to weigh every option when it comes to quarterbacks still. Um, and that includes, you know, taking one in the first round. But again, as I look at where they are with the roster, how comfortable they are with Jared Goff, knowing just frankly, the realities of it, that, you know, you can save your job for a long time. And that's not something that you, you think of outwardly, but you know, it's in the back of your head there that, Hey, we, we can be a really competitive team with Jared Goff as our quarterback for a while. That's the safest route to go rather than draft some guy. And like you said, you know, maybe, you know, mess with Jared's head a little bit and, you know, have the fans call for him and, uh, you know, know that you've got a decision then to make that this guy's going to be your, your quarterback before long. And you'd have to say goodbye to Jared Goff when you do have a good thing going. So I don't think the Lions will draft a quarterback this year. Oh, okay. So no quarterback. Um, and we are going to have you back, Dave, soon. The next time you do a mock, right? We're just going to keep having you back every time you do a mock. <laughs> we're going to do a live. We're going to do a live podcast from the. Did I tell you guys that I'm only about? doing two mocks this year? I'm not only doing two. Okay, then we'll then we'll have you back the next for the next mock. Uh, but until then, 
Um, we need to uh, – look, we'll talk plenty more football, obviously, as the spring goes and the draft comes and the combine, and Dave's going to be all that. Like he always is, doing a great job. But right now, we need to get into our favorite things and I think get our get our listeners out of here. Um, before we do, though, I do have a quick question. Any of, know, any of you, either of you, know why Goodfellas is trending on Twitter? No. No, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't either. I just uh, I thought that was randomly uh, interesting if you're of a Good certain movie, age. Though. Yeah, and I saw that Ray Liotta is going to get a Hollywood star in a couple of days, which is uh, weird that he didn't have one already. But in any case, all right, what's your favorite thing? Who wants to go first, Dave or Carlos? Well, I'll go first. I'll set it up. Dave can think about his. It'll be his favorite basketball play that he designed, I'm sure. But um <laughs> Uh, mine is simple. It's short. Um, it's just, this is, uh, it, you know, we're, as we're awaiting an ice storm here in Michigan and it's late February and everybody's sick of the cold weather and everything. Um, you mean the warmest summer, one of the 10 warmest summer or winters in the last hundred years? Yeah, I don't know. It's gray and cold and gross and whatever. Maybe it's a dirty warmer, I guess, uh, for you weather nerds. But, uh, one thing that, that, has brought a little spark of hope is that uh we are we are making plans at the free press to uh begin our spring softball season we plan bell isle we've invited Dave Ken and sean windsor to come out and support us of course they haven't so uh we'll keep our fingers crossed but it was fun just to be in the group chat with the players and um i am taking over as coach this year because uh our uh our former assistant editor Tyler Davis is leaving, and uh, so he he was the he was the, the captain last year and the coach and did a lot of hard work organizing it. So now because nobody else wanted to do it, basically I'm doing it. Um, but it was fun just to be in, in the chat and Jim Schaefer plays and Sean, you know, are one of our favorite people. It's Jim Schaefer and just always fun to to chat with him and give him uh, give him some guff. Um, but it was just nice to talk to those people again and and start thinking about softball and, and playing again, getting outside. So I look forward to it. We're going to play in April. The season starts in, in a couple of months and uh, we'll have a tough training camp. Uh, I'll probably be fired. Like, uh, like one of the NFL coaches at some point, there'll be a rebellion and they'll, they'll Matt Patricia me and turn against me. So uh, we'll see, but, uh, but I'm really looking forward to it and uh, seeing people again, Sean. If you, uh, Get a road game, bring it out by by me, and maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll join you. Yeah, the butler will drive you out to the game to the to the field, so I'll I'll make sure. Tough tough to make. I got what about what about you, Dave? What a lot about of kids you, Dave? Stuff going on. Um, I should say something about my basketball team, which begins playoffs this week. Uh, good luck to all the girls. Been a fun fun ride. A lot of memories. Um, but I'm gonna say, you know, all the uh, look. Um, I think everyone knows it was such a tragedy at Michigan State last week. Um, but the way the community, you know, has sort of come together and, um, I didn't watch, as I told you, you know, much of that, uh, Michigan state game last night, didn't know it was on, but seeing the highlights, reading the stories, um, you know, seeing the support from, you know, Spartan community and, and fans and players, coaches, you know, from other teams, everyone, uh, you know, I think it's just, it's uplifting to see so many people come together and, uh, you know, in times of tragedy to, to sort of, um, you know, when, when people need support um, to, to be there. Uh, so that's, that's my, my best thing that, you know, out of tragedy, we see the good in people a lot of times. And, um, it was good to see that here over the past week. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and second that. I'm not going to steal it, as Carlos might accuse me of, uh, because we're rising above that, uh, to, to Dave's point. But, yeah, it was my – and Carlos and I talked about this uh, a lot before the podcast uh, in, the, in the last couple of days. Watching Chrysler Center light up green inside during the moment of silence and then listening to the Michigan Pep Band play Michigan's Michigan State's alma mater, uh, or Shadows as it's known, was um, one of the more uh, – sort of a heart heart uh i don't know one of the more compelling and 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 lovely moments i've seen in my sports career i mean michigan the michigan crowd actually applauded when michigan state took the took the took the court and uh, as i told carlos uh, recently that obviously that's not going to stick but to see that you just never think you're going to see something like that especially in this rivalry has gotten so toxic but in any rivalry so yes dave to your point to to watch people um say hey you know what we're, we're human beings first. I know that's cliche, but we've seen that play out this last week, and uh, that's the best thing I've seen too. Carlos, yeah, that's well said. You gotta that's take well said, Sean. And, and one one last, can I have a can I have, I'll double dip in one second favorite thing that I should have mentioned, but we should mention, and this is uh, uh, this is Andrew Hammond's last day at the Free Press. Our our esteemed producer that's not our favorite, that is thing. My favorite thing because <laughs> i we're gonna miss him and andrew's done a lot a lot of hard work behind the scenes you know keeping us honest or uh, scheduling guests um doing all the all the heavy lifting sean and uh uh if can we have andrew say something if he feels like saying something as a as a goodbye on this podcast yeah are you there uh yeah um wow don't cry don't cry I'm, no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry <laughs> don't you don't make don't do a michael jordan farewell no it's okay. oh, no 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 it, no, no, it's, no. It's, i'm not gonna it's okay. it's okay to cry it's um carlson and i cry all the time <laughs> yeah usually to me um no seriously guys um it, it's funny because you know if we peel back the curtain a little bit this was supposed to be you know maybe for a few weeks maybe a month um, and then it turned into uh, nearly a year. And not only did I form a, a good bond with colleagues, but um, I'd like to call all three of you guys friends. Um, and, and I appreciate the support and your help in making this podcast grow even further. So um, I want to say thank you to uh, all three of you guys. You guys provide me with laughs, made me think, and it made me learn a little bit about the uh, the great state of Michigan, uh, the city of Detroit, and uh, Lions fandom, uh, and something I've grown to respect in my time being here is just how passionate and how much people care about not just the Lions, but sports in this city, and it's it's pretty special. So thank you guys. Well, thank Good you, luck. and you can absolutely go. Too. Yeah, no, he's thank going. You. He's going to one of the the more underrated cities in this country, in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's kind of nestled in some hills, and the food is great. The history is, um, you know, is difficult in some ways, but it's also they're they're aware of it, and uh, and it's right out there. It, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting and kind of a cool city in a lot of ways, and I think you're going to do great down there. And we're going to miss you here. And um, like I I'll said, miss yeah. you guys. Yeah, call us friends. Thank you, man. Carlos, uh, who else do we need to thank? Oh, we need to thank Dave for joining us, taking time away from his playbook 
drawing up uh, slobs and blobs <laughs> and uh, all that uh, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Who else, Carlos? Oh, uh, we have to thank uh, well, and Andrew. We've already thanked him. And by the way, he's becoming he's going to take the job as a sports editor at AL dot com um, in Alabama. Uh, but we need to thank uh, Robin Chan, another produ- our other producer, does the hard work behind the scenes, executive producer and sports editor Kirkland Crawford. And we also have to thank executive producer and interim editor Anjanette Delgado, who is, uh, by the way, our Mookie Wilson, Sean, for the softball team, plays a great right field. And we're... Uh, we're going to get in trouble because that was the only time we mentioned her. So we're uh, we're going to get chastised probably. Um, but mostly, who do we need to thank? The listener. The listeners. Uh, we probably just have one listener. But uh, we are very grateful to have that listener. And But where do you find this podcast, Sean? Where? Well, you- wherever you find, wherever you find your, your favorite podcast. You know, obviously you found it if you're listening. But, uh, you know. We'll say it anyway, because that's what we do. It's what every podcast does. You say, hey, go to Apple, go to Spotify. That's great. The point is, sub- uh, subscribe, you know, rate us also, but but mainly subscribe. And uh, and then and then let us know what you think. That's, uh, that's always nice. Whether you're going to be nice in what you let us know or not, it doesn't matter. Just let us know. All right, Carlos, we want to, uh, again, thank everybody. Thank you, Andrew. Good luck down in Alabama. We will uh, all, well... Carlos and I will be back next week with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.